Welcome to Winning the Inner Game. This is Colton Lindsay. All right. Hey, guys. It's Colton Lindsay here with another interview with the Winning Series Interviews. Today, we have got a rock star, and I've already been amazed in the last five minutes I've been talking with him. Kevin Ward, currently you're in Hermosa Beach, California. That's where you reside. Is that correct? Well, we have, yeah, we have a place there, and we also have a place in Las Vegas. Okay, so there in Las Vegas. Where do you spend most of your time? Um, right now, right now in Hermosa Beach, because in Las Vegas it's 115. <laughs> <laughs> Amen to that. So oh, yeah. Kevin, Kevin Ward uh, is has got a long time career in real estate sales coaching, training, and if you've seen this guy with yesmasters.com just grow over the last several years, I think all of you are intrigued. I know a lot of you have sent me messages saying, hey, I can't wait to uh, to see this. So anyways, guys, here is our interview with Kevin Ward. Kevin, why don't you start off giving us some information about yourself, where you're from, how you got kind of the, the, the nutshell of how you got to where you're at today. Okay. Well, I... Uh I started when I started real estate was back in the 1900s. I started back in 1998, and uh, I had been I'd actually been a preacher before I got into real estate. What? No I way! I'm so shocked. <laughs> no, so I think it's amazing. I just wasn't very good at uh, church politics, and I was not really good at just supporting religious traditions. So uh, I decided, you know what, I need to do something where I own my life and I can make decisions and I can kind of do that. And I thought, you know what, I'm good with people. I really like people. I like helping people. And I'm one of those weird guys that got in real estate to help people. And uh, so I started real estate in 1998. Uh, I, had, I moved from a little town in North Texas to Dallas-Fort Worth. Uh, didn't have, I had no sphere of influence. I call it what I call my personal circle. I had nobody. I had never sold a house. I never even owned a house before. I bought my first house, which I actually bought it from a for sale by owner, if you can believe that. I bought it from a for sale by owner, which was a big learning curve right away. And like the do-it-yourself approach, you're an idiot even when you have your license. And uh, I started selling real estate, jumped in with both feet. I had no savings. And so you know, when you're, when you're quit preaching, you got no savings, just yeah. so you guys know. And uh, so I was just desperate. I had no choice. I had a family I had to support, and so I just died, jumped in with both feet. I started prospecting for sale by owners and expireds literally day one and and just took off. And then uh, I hired – spent my first year and a half had a, with a great company, uh, Century 21, Mike Bowman in Euless, Texas, now in Grapevine, Texas, Dallas-Fort Worth, and uh, sold 19 homes my first seven months because I started in May, and that year sold 19 homes in, in 1999. I sold 42 homes, and then I went to a Mike Ferry Superstar Retreat, and uh, I joined his coaching. And John Ferber was my first coach. He is now, a, I think, a Keller Williams director of Canada, Keller Williams or something. But he was my first one-on-one -on -one coach, and in 2000, I went from 42 deals to 108 deals in uh, 2000. And about, um, I think I went on 96 listing appointments that year, took 70-ish listings. And uh, so, what's that was, ratio? Seventy-five, eighty percent, or something? Yeah, it sucked. I mean, I, the way I what I teach now, seventy percent sucks. And yeah. but I, I mean, it was just I, I used what I knew, and which wasn't bad. And I, I probably sold about seventy-five percent. I sold more than that. I sold about eighty percent of those listings. I closed. Now I closed more than that, but I, I still didn't sell every listing. Which I teach now. What I teach is you sell every listing you take. I think the, the industry standard 
of this idea of you're going to only sell about 70 to 80 percent of your listings or whatever that we've been taught is totally that an, yeah. an NAR stat or something or where does that stat well, come from? Well, it's an NAR stat, but even when I was even when we were doing business planning uh, in coaching, they would still say you got to plan on that you're going to only sell 80 to 90 percent of your listings. Okay, good. And I think that's like if you're a heart surgeon, I plan on saving 80 percent of my patient uh, patients. I'm like yeah. really. Um, it's kind of like if you're Tiger Woods, or you know, he may not be a good example anymore. But I remember used to they said, "How many of your do you do you actually expect to win every single tournament you play in?" They said, "If I didn't expect to win, why would I play?" Yeah. And I you sell every single listing you take. You don't ever take a listing you can't sell. That's bad. That's it's bad business. And yeah. So. That, once well, I figured that out, my life got a whole lot better, and I learned it from a lady in Houston. I can't remember her name, but she took 23 listings in 2008, uh, 2006, took 23 listings, sold all of them, and the longest one took about 20 days. And I said, how would you do that? And she just said, because I only sell list, I only take listings if they'll sell, and if they're not willing to price it where it'll sell and do the right stuff, I don't take it. And she said, I love my life, because every one of my sellers is like likes me, and they're happy, and there's no pain, and the, all you guys on this, you guys know that the most painful listings are the ones that you're overpriced, or the seller's not motivated enough, or you're letting them call the shots, and you hate your life. Yeah, right. and, and fearless agent, we call them gamblers, right? Anytime that if I can get this, then I'll sell, right, is right. a good identification that they're a gambler. Right? I just call them a non-seller. <laughs> non-seller, right. Well, and, and some of those non-sellers are actually selling in this type of market. Have you noticed that? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm here in Southern California, you know, it's insanity. Uh, in Hermosa Beach, where we live right now, the average, the average list price is nearly $3 million. And I'm like, that's, that's insane. That is insane. Years ago, the average list price was $1.2 million. Wow, so it's increased dramatically there. Yeah, but that's I mean, that's a list price, not sell price. So there's a lot of uh, okay. things that sit. So the average, you know, our probably property market value across Hermosa Beach in the last year is probably going up about 12%, 15% a year, which is that's still, still pretty dramatic. That is a dramatic increase. Yeah. Speaking of that, on that subject for a second, is and you have a lot of clients across the country, how does this shifting market differ from the shifting market we saw in six, seven, eight, nine, you know, when, when things got out of control in, in six and seven, five, six and seven? Well, I don't, we, we can't, it's, we're, the stupidity that we had back then, you can't repeat because it's kind of like, it's kind of like people who grew up, who went through the depression, you know, they never over, they never forgot the lessons they learned because they still felt the pain and had the scars. So I think you can get into a little euphoria, but the financial industry, the mortgage industry, they're not going to be as stupid as they were. And that was a lot of it was the cause that I could get a loan with no, you know, the, the ninja loans, no income, no job, no assets, and you can go out and get a loan. And fog a mirror, you're, you qualify. Yeah. And that's, that's how not happening. And that's not going to happen. So I think there's like in where you've got such low inventory, prices are being driven up. Um, but the market itself will at some point, uh, Equalize that. I don't. There may be some adjustments, but I don't think we're going to have a big bubble pop. Yeah. There may be some some um, some isolated markets where that may happen a little bit. That have other economic forces. You know what's happening worldwide. Our country is still not financially healthy. I mean, we're not. It's kind of like the, the somebody said. Uh, I can't remember who it was. I think it was on Anderson Cooper a couple of years ago, and he said. 
financially the con the economy the economy is not shaking like an earthquake, but the fault line is still there and it's still dramatic. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, it's anytime that they're manually keeping these interest rates down is a strong signal that the economy is not running itself. Absolutely. Which so, one of the things you talked about before we went on air, and I, I think I want you to bring this up. I, I love this is what one of the core things he teaches with Yes Masters is, is this idea of financial freedom, right? Because even though the world economy might be in shambles, it's how do you take that world economy and work it to your advantage, right? That's, right. Is, is, that's one of the things you teach, right? Absolutely. I mean, it's, and I teach agents because I live in California now. Um, since I moved here from Texas, I realized something about real estate in California. If we have an earthquake, residential real estate sales will stop. And, and if it's a significant earthquake for literally for months, which means every deal that you had planning to close next week and every listing you had, none of it's going to make you a dime because no bank is going to loan on a house that has structural issues and structural engineers and, and foundation repair companies are not going to be paying attention to houses. They're going to be, you know, dealing with the infrastructure of our cities and the commercial buildings and the highways. And so every real estate transaction stops. So it was like, do you have an earthquake plan for your business? That's a good idea, having an earthquake you plan. down for three months or six months, what, you're, you're, are you going to like lose everything? So, so I teach agents, you got to have first is you got to have an earthquake plan, which means you need to have three to six months of money, liquid cash available to pay your bills and survive for three to six months. And if you don't set out with that intention because you're like, well, you know, I live in Chicago. We don't have earthquakes or tornadoes. I understand that. But what if you got hit by a truck? Well, in New Orleans, they've got uh, hurricanes, right? You got hurricanes, you got tornadoes in Texas. And I mean, but the key is life can happen and you get taken out of the game, whether it's because of the industry, something happens in the market or something happens in your life. And all of a sudden, you know, just for example, what if one of your parents got, you found out they had three months to live? Oh, yeah. And you, you can't, you got to prospect every day because you're, if you don't, you lose your car. You know, have an earthquake plan. Get Plan your business this year that I need to get enough transactions closed, not only to pay my bills, but to at least get to have an earthquake plan so I got three to six months cash in the bank that I can sleep at night. And it's, guys, that's so huge because financial stress is such a burden on so many agents. So insane. three to six months cash holdings in the bank or like literally tangibly you've got it in like a safe in your house? Well, I mean, I'm not one of those that says you, that you can't trust the bank. We're not, we're not greasy yet. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to get a clear picture of where we're at, man. I don't have that mattress money, but it doesn't hurt. I mean, I carry, I, I, you know, I try now just because I like the way it, I, I feel is I carry a lot of cash in my pocket all the time just because I like the way I feel. Uh, that's just a feeling of abundance. How, how much cash, how much cash, Kevin, you carrying in your pocket right now? Right now, I'm not carrying any because it's Saturday morning. I, but I, I, you know, I don't know. It's about a thousand dollars, probably. I usually carry. I try to. I usually get three thousand at a time. But yeah, I, I haven't I, gone to the bank in forever. <laughs> I've told people for the longest time, carry a wad of cash right there in your wallet. Every time you open that up, you see a thousand bucks in your fingertips. It feels good, man. Uh, every time, like we we checked into the Four Seasons. We're at the Four Seasons right now. I'm here for a mastermind with one of my coaches, and uh, you know, you check in and I pull it out and I'm like. All I have is hundred dollar bills. I need tip money. You know, so I'm handing hundred dollar bills. I just need tip money. Uh, but I love the feeling of having cash in your pocket. Uh, one of the biggest challenges that I see with real estate agents is the scarcity thinking. 
Uh, scarcity thinking shows up and there's so much competition. Wait, wait, wait. Is that an agent thing or is that a, a human thing? Well, it's a human thing. It depends on your background and your upbringing. So my wife, Julie, she never grew up with scarcity thinking. That was not allowed or taught in her house. Oh, nice. Uh, I grew up with money doesn't grow on trees and money's the root of all evil. And um, if you have too much, you're materialistic. And I grew up with that and I'm like, that hurts you because you, it, you sentence yourself to a life of surviving, financial stress. And abundance is way better, and your abundance only serves the world. It does not take away from anybody. Tell me about this word abundance. You've ever read the book uh, Strangest Secret, Earl Nightingale? I'm sure well, you have. Yeah. Right? I mean, read it in one sitting. <laughs> yeah, right. You've probably read it like a million times by now. And I never caught this till recently. And you know Brian Casella. He's in my mastermind, AJ yeah. Mida. And um, – we were talking about that idea of abundance, and if you plant the, the crop, that's going to return in abundance, or if you plant the nightshade, that's going to return in abundance. And I've been going through this transformation where, okay, let's talk specific type of abundance. Is it financial abundance? Is it physical abundance? You know, health and fitness? Is it listing abundance? What is it? I think that we can almost get too generic. What are your thoughts on that with that word abundant? It's almost well, thrown around pretty. Abund ab I, you know, I think abundance is cellular. It's and it's not one because it's not it's not one thing. So if you're a, if you're a pessimist, are you only a pessimist in your business? You know, you're probably a pessimist, pessimist in, in everything. Life. Yeah. And so if you have an abundance mentality, it shows up in every area of your life. You can't have an abundance mentality in in with your money and have an and have a scarcity mentality with your relationships. I see what you're saying. So you're 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 echoing it as as abundance as a positive type. No matter what, right? it's. I believe as um, who was it? I don't remember who said this, but that he they they called him the an inverse paranoid. It was. It may have been Earl Nightingale, but I don't think it was Earl Nightingale. But anyway, he said he believed that the world was conspiring to do him good. <laughs> everybody was for him, not everybody was against him. That was just his abundance mentality that everybody was on his side. And as Napoleon Hill said in his book, The Master Key to Riches. He said one of the things about people who move with definiteness of purpose is the amazing way in which the world will step aside that they may pass and even come to their aid in helping them accomplish their purposes. And that is just realizing that when I'm clear and I'm focused and my, I, have a, I have a clarity of my life's work, that the whole universe comes to help me out. And there's, the resources are limitless. I, I, I've spent more money so far in six months of this year on personal development and coaching than I made in 2012 with my coaching company when I first started it. And so, so it sounds like I started investing right. in myself and changing that abundance mindset. So, so here's what is the – if you could pinpoint one thing, and we'll keep it specific to real estate agents, the one thing that keeps these agents in that scarcity mindset – from being abundant mindset? The one thing that keeps them there, probably history. Experience. I mean, probably there, uh, yeah, so I mean, well, I, really I think the real question is not why or what keeps them there, but how do you get out of it? Well played. I like that. And so, so, you know, I, I, you and I both talked about this. T. Harv Eker's Millionaire Mind Intensive, which was just a three-day uh, three event where they just – Re, they just wash your brain. <laughs> well, and it's a free event too. I mean, you can go to this thing for free. I'm I tell everybody, going. go to Millionaire Mind Intensive. It's not T. Harv Eckers anymore. Uh, he sold it. 
uh, and they're doing some changes with it. I don't know how good it's going to be. I'm friends with their CEO of the new company, but uh, oh, I didn't know he sold it. Who who bought it? Yeah, a guy, Success Resources, a guy named Richard Tan, who's a billionaire from Asia, bought it. So. Is Adam Markell and Doug Nelson, are those guys still teaching it? Well, or? Adam, Adam Markell is the CEO. Oh, he's okay. a personal friend of mine. We've hung out at their house with them in Martha's Vineyard. Uh, it's, they're awesome. Uh, Adam and Randy are great people. They're making some changes that I don't know if I'm, I'm, I like the changes. But anyway, there's the, the content the last time I went was still there. Um, the key is, and you can still get T. R. Vecker's book, The Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. And if you're, if you're ever can't figure out why do I always seem broke, just get that book and read it. That's immediate. Yeah. And then it's got websites and stuff so you can go and get the free of go to the free event. And guys, here's, here's what I here's what changed for me, and here's what I think every agent should understand is that you must understand that you are your best asset in your business. Invest in yourself. Invest in your personal growth, and the the problem is agents think, well, I'm too busy working. Well, that's your problem. You should be busy growing and learning and preparing. So, I'm going to give an, an analogy that Bo, that I learned from my one of my coaches, Bo Eason. Um, and there's a book. This is a book. Or this is a Bible. It's called Turning Pro. The problem with most real estate agents is we are we are in an industry of amateurs. And you want to become a master. You want to you want to have a great business, make a lot of money, add value to people, and have the life of your dreams, which might, which is why you got into real estate, right? You got to turn pro. And this book is about the differences between amateurs and pros. And the, one of the differences between amateurs and pros is amateurs want something for nothing. Got into real estate, got my license, I love houses, I'm going to go out and I'm going to kill it because I got a lot of friends and they're going to all list their home with me. Yeah, but the problem is when you show up, you're still an amateur. Yep. And they don't trust you. And I you know, I named my company Yes Masters because I think mastery should be the standard and the standard in our industry is mediocrity. And I don't think oh, mediocrity, yeah. not only do I think it's not okay, I think mediocrity is the enemy. And, and any agent that doesn't understand that, go to your local board continuing education class and you will see how silly your competition is. Like literally the standard is so low. I just made a video on this. The standard is so low that it's, it's if you just get into a proven system coaching program and you master your skills, your schedule, and your systems, I mean you'll blow the competition away. I, I mean wouldn't you agree with that? Well, I, I don't think you have competition. Yeah, <laughs> you don't have competition. I mean, here, I mean, this is what I want everybody to write down. There, I have no competition. Now, this is doesn't count. If you're going to be mediocre, you can't say this. But you, I just teach my agents. I want them to chant this. I have no competition. I am the competition. When Michael Jordan, who's my hero, Michael Jordan, greatest basketball player of all time, still is. Don't argue. He just is. And when he would walk, when he would, before a game, when he walked into a coliseum, every single person in the coliseum, his teammates, his coaches, the fans, the referees, the sports commentators, the opposing team, the opposing coaches, their number one central thought was Michael Jordan. Right? Yeah. 
there was not, he changed the chemistry of he changed the atmosphere of the space when and before games he would go into the opposing team's locker room to say hi to somebody that he knew and they say he didn't they, they never made a big deal about this most people didn't know he did this but he would go in there he would see one or two guys that he knew and he'd just say hey you know he wouldn't say anything but he would just walk through the locker room and then he would walk out think about right that's probably a uh, opponent's ass <laughs> could you be imagine being the uh, the opponent and seeing Michael Jordan the world's greatest basketball player coming through your locker room and what do you think their mind is thinking oh you, man i can't even say what they were thinking but we all know the four letter word is oh that's what they're thinking yep yeah and that's you here was the way he looked at it when you when he walked onto a court he didn't compete against anybody he made everybody compete against him he raised the bar to that level that the world had to compete with him i am the competition and when you commit to mastery which is my my message to the industry is one mastery should be the standard not mediocrity and i think it's time for a per, i think as an industry it's time for us to reset the bar I think the second thing that I'm really passionate about is it's time to get rid of the BS. We are. What do you so, mean the BS? Tell, tell me which, because you do a lot of that. Here's what BS is. Um, hi, I'm doing a survey of all the for sale by owners in the area. Hi. Really? You're a survey taker now? I mean, that was my script. I used that for, you know, as a real estate agent. I well, was that's taught. the Mike Ferry script right I'm there. Doing all this, I, and I'm like, I love, I, Mike Ferry to me is the godfather of real estate training. I mean, he just is. He, he was the godfather of real estate coaching and training. And he did, that was when I started with Mike Ferry, that was not his script. So somebody else wrote that script. I don't know for sure who script? it was, but I think I know. But it's a BS script. You are not there to take surveys. I'm there to find a seller that needs to sell. And help them, and help them get a better result. And so get, you don't need the BS. That's BS. You know the other one that drives me nuts is when people call a for sale by owner and say I'm calling because I'm working with a lot of buyers in the area. Like I hate that script. Like can I come preview your house for a buyer? That's it's the like, I don't know. It just well, drives me nuts hearing that script. You know my, my my script is I work with a lot of buyers and sellers in the area. I, I, what I teach is because you do. If you're a, if you're a producer, you work with a lot of buyers and sellers. Every transaction, you work with at least one buyer and one seller. Well, so, and, and when you but, teach that though, to go over to meet with a for sale by owner, you're not teaching. You're teaching them to go over and and let them expect that you're going to present to them, right? We not, I, we only do listing presentations. We do not come to preview houses for buyers. Yeah, right. And so, so you, say, see these, uh, you know, bring me a buyer. Great, because that's what I do for a living. So you are willing to work with an agent that brings a buyer. Yeah, we're willing to do it. Great. So do you have a buyer for me? I, listen, I'm not calling because I have a buyer for your house. However, we have a lot of buyers right now in the market that are looking for houses like yours. And so, which is totally a non-BS, straightforward approach. And that's the key is never go over, never pretend you have a buyer. And here's the reason. Because I know a lot of the, I'm sure a lot of the people in this, this uh, hangout do a lot of for sale by owners. It, it's not only that it's BS, it's that you are, you are reinforcing the for sale by owners hallucination that that's the way they can get, that that's the way they convince the seller to list with them. 
is pretend I have a buyer. But the problem is all you just did is you just went over and proved to them they don't why would they list with you? If you have a buyer, you'll bring them. Which yeah. tells them their strategy of waiting for agents to bring them a buyer works. But the reality is if you're an agent that has a buyer, the last place you're gonna go is a for sale by owner. Yeah. I mean who has when if you've got a great motivated qualified buyer, where are you going to go to find him a house? For sell by owner.com to the MLS. That's for you. That's going. right. And we're going to avoid for sell by owners like the plague. Yeah. So we just feed their hallucinations. So it's like, look, if I could help you get your property sold and net the money you need in your pocket to make this move happen, would you would you be open to talking about it? Would you interview me about it? And it's a straightforward, honest conversation. And well, I don't know how you're going to do that. Well, I, I don't know yet either, but if I could, would you at least be open to that conversation? Well, well yeah, see, no here's, I want to point something out with, with these guys watching what he just did. He gave, they gave an objection. He didn't even really answer the objection. He went back to getting his question answered. Right. I think that's one of the biggest things real estate agents miss is get your stinking question answered. They're going to go off on some story or some tell, right. and, and you're going to be led down that way. Don't do it. Stay with yeah. the question. I wanted to point that out. Well, and here's here's the but here's the secret to the question, is the question is about what do they want. So if they're sell by owners, what do they want? And I I said if I could help you get your property sold and net the money you need in your pocket to make this move happen, would you be open to a conversation? Why? Because that's what they want. They want to get the home sold and net the money they want, need or want. Like, I mean, you can't you can never net them what they want. <laughs> yeah, most of the time, but. If I can help, because you, but what you can do is help them net the most. Yeah, and and, and as Floyd Wickman taught, help them keep from losing money, right? Yeah, when you talk absolutely fear of loss, that gets people to act and to act now, keep them from losing. So here's a question: You were in your prime real estate sales doing fizzles expired. How many for sell by owners did you do? The most you ever did in a, in a twelve month period. So. Probably, because I always did about half and half for so banners and expires, and it was probably I went I calculated at one point because I know I've done over two. Uh, I would say probably the most I ever did in a year was probably forty-ish of each, um, and uh, I, I went back and calculated it. I've sold well over two hundred of each, listed and sold over two hundred each because I've made you know made basically millions in each. And uh, so it's probably, I think the most was probably about 40 of each. That was the okay. most. Which is quite a bit. I mean, 40. No, I mean, that's right? a lot of work. That is. So. I remember I did 37 FISBOs, and I thought that was like, oh, my gosh. It was, it was a ton of work. Those are tough. They're tough. They're, but if you just the, – and, and I went in a lot of that time with a lot of things that I teach you not to do today because we use a lot of resistance triggers, which means we literally say things that make them resist us, and we don't even know – they don't even know why they're resisting us. Um, and well, it's all subconscious, it right? You're talking to their to their subconscious and literally going in with the resistant patterns. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, for example, this is something that most agents don't realize is, and this is programmed from the time we're a child. There are one of the resistance triggers that a lot of us use and we're trained to use, and it's in so many scripts. Is if I can show you whatever, if I can show you how I can get your home sold, if I could, would you list with me? We'll show you is a resistance trigger because ever since we were little kids how many of us liked it when somebody tried to show us yeah when your little brother said here let me show you yep you're not gonna show me nothing and ever since we we're a little kid we resisted when somebody says they're gonna show us something 
So what words? Like, what word to use instead of show? So I, I tell you what. Let's get together and take a look at some options. Or I, we'll get together and I'll share with you, or we'll go over exactly what we can do to help you make that happen. So, so I just, don't talk about uh, set an appointment. Because when do we set appointments? Not if, forget the real estate industry. What is the energy of setting an appointment? We're going to the doctor. We're going to an attorney. We're going to see our kids, school principal. That's when we set up. We set appointments for things we have to do, things we don't want to do. Mm, okay. So I tell you what. Why don't we let's set up a time to get together and just take a look at some options. Now what so I, you're you're breaking down every little speech pattern. Every word has energy. Is that energy cause people to resist or repel or does it influence them? So think of the energy of set an appointment. Yeah. Immediately you go, mm, but I, 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 I let's set up a time to get together. Who do you get together with? Friends. Friends, people you like. So it's always, it's always collaborative and it's always pleasant. And then when you say, and let's take a look at some options. Well, who doesn't like options? Yeah, who doesn't like some options? So, For so my owners love options. That's they love sure. options. So let's take let's set up a time to get together and just take a look at some options. Well, now it's collaborative. There's they and what happens is there's this is when the thing that I when I started realizing and understanding resistance triggers and removing them is that all of a sudden you have more of this people going like I don't even know why I'm talking to you. I've hung up on everybody else. I've told everybody else no, and I've set an appointment with you. I don't even understand it. And you're going like, I understand. And they, they don't know why all of a sudden they're not resisting you is that you take all the things that we say that make them go like, ooh, I don't want to do that. You know, If I could show you how I could sell your home for more money, would you list with me? Well, nobody wants to list. There's never been a seller ever born that wants to list any more than you want to go to the dentist. Yeah. So you here's list because you have to to sell it. You don't list because it's pleasurable anymore. I go to the dentist because I want my mouth to stop hurting. I don't go to the dentist because I want a dentist or I want yeah. an appointment. Unless you love the laughing gas. I mean, that might be one cause to go to the dentist. But besides yeah. that, no one wants. So I, I want got to plenty this... to laugh about without that help. Yeah. <laughs> I want to point this out too, and, and a lot of you guys that follow me, you know I speak so much about Earl Nightingale. You become what you think about most of the time. You also have to remember that other people become what they think about most of the time. And if you can be an influencer with your language to cause their thinking to go a different direction, this is exactly what Kevin's talking about right here. Am I right with that? Yeah, I'm even – and when I talk, one of the things that, that – I have a vocal – I have a voice coach, Roger Love, who – He's uh, Tony Robbins' voice coach, Brendan Burchard's voice coach. Uh, he was Michael, jo uh, Michael Jackson's voice coach, uh, Selena Gomez. He's Adam Levine's coach with Maroon 5. He's their vocal coach. He's the number one vocal coach in the world. And one of the things he taught me as a coach, he says, your voice gets really edgy. And I literally, my wife walked up to me and she put a note to me. She walks up and she's going like that. She's like, you're getting too intense. <laughs> and even the way you speak your voice, it – creates emotion and how you talk and I've literally I pay uh, Roger Love who's coached me this year I pay him $30,000 this year to help me coach to speak better and I'm still an amateur at how you speak and yet to the world I'm a master but to Roger Love I'm still an amateur because he's like well, and, and at, 38, at 38 years old you speak like you've been doing it forever by the way Kevin I have been doing it forever 
Most of us do, we think because we do it over and over again, we become masters. No, as doing it over and over again makes you a lifelong amateur. When T. Harv teaches that, it, practice doesn't make perfect. Practice makes permanent, right? That's right. Or, and so you, you might be practicing it the way you've always done it, which doesn't mean it's the best way. But you, right. through time and, and the law of hypnotic rhythm, you actually ingrain that into your subconscious mind. It's like riding a bike. You know, If you've rode a bike for 15 years, it's going to be difficult to, to not know how to ride a bike. Right. And, and you might have been riding your bike with, with your seat just a little bit too tall this whole time. But that's what you're used to, and, and that's what you go comfortable to. And doesn't mean it's going to allow the best results for the life that you're looking to create. Yeah, and especially when you – you know, for a bicycle rider, mastery would be like, okay, I want to win a race. Yeah. You can't pedal 100 miles if you're doing like a, a, a long, long bike ride. If your seat's too high, well, if you're riding around the riding around the neighborhood, no problem. But if you're riding a hundred miles competitively, your seat an inch too high makes a dramatic impact in your in your ability to be sustain sustain energy because it uses more energy, it's less efficient, and you're never going to be as powerful. Well, that's something that you wouldn't know as an amateur, and you could do it for thirty years and never. The same the guy that plays golf, he plays three times a week as an amateur. He's never taken a lesson or took, he took lessons one time and like, yeah, I took lessons years ago. You know, it's kind of like I worked out years ago, so I'm done. And no professional. Do you know Ed Escobar? Used to, he used to do one of the Sweat Hogs programs with Floyd Wickman. Ed Escobar, you ever heard of him? He's, he's clear on the that name. So he's out of New Jersey. One time I heard him yeah. say, if you want to make money, then just you know, go do it and not do it great, but just go do it well. If you want to earn a earn a lot of money, master your craft, right? Exactly. And if you're in real estate, it blows my mind on how many of you guys out there are not taking an hour a day at least and mastering your, your skills to communicate and, and present. Because that's really what you do. You present either at the door, on the phone, or when you're sitting down getting a listing contract signed. It's all about presentation. And in this day and age, a lot more is happening on the telephone I think than than ever, you know, it's always been telephone prospecting, but now you think about almost you can run a very good real estate sales business on the phone almost all the time, and, and you got to master that skill. And what is it like? Seven percent of your communication is words, thirty-three percent tonality, and sixty percent body language. Something so like that. It's ninety-three percent is body language, which includes your tonality and your. It's not the words. Seven percent is the words. And, and, and you got you got to master that. You got to master it and, and understand that even you know I love the Google Hangouts because you can you know we can see each other and they the audience can see us and it's I'm standing up. Why? That's the only way I present. I like that because I love to present sitting down comfortably with my feet kicked up, usually with a beer in my hand. So that's yeah. that's one thing I can maybe learn from you. <laughs> Which, when I'm you know in a listing presentation, I remember one having one coach say you should stand up at a listing presentation, but it's weird. So if you're more energetic, yeah, but if the, if it's intimidating to your sellers, it doesn't make any sense. So the only time you really sit to me is when you're in a listing presentation. But when I'm on the phone, when as a coach, uh, every coaching call. Every training, I, I'm never sitting down. I mean, right now, I'm actually, because we're at, the, at a resort, so I don't have my 
tar tall stool that I lean on. So I'm literally leaning on the back of a chair if I just feel like I need some support because I like to wonder and I can't with the headset on. But this, I know I know when I'm standing up, I have a higher level of energy. And I'm on this, and I don't know how many people are on this thing, but I am here to bring 100% of the best of me, and I can't do it if I'm sitting down. And I got I got compression socks on and my tennis shoes because I have more energy when that's I'm wearing because I love athletics and I love basketball. And it's like when I when I present, you know, I used to wear Cole Haan shoes as a real estate agent because they have Nike Air heels. Yeah, I wear those. Heels, I wear those every, the shoes are made day. by vets. Yeah, so it's like I can dunk while I'm prospecting, <laughs> walking. Through, you know, I mean, that's that was kind of the like I wanted to feel that way because I felt that was for me that gave me energy. I think the only guy that can really dunk while they're prospecting is Brian Casella. He actually can dunk while he's prospecting. Yeah, I've seen it happen. I've got a I do a thing called a hundred day challenge, and one of my guys I have him do an intro video to introduce himself. Bucci Ofadile is one of my coaching members in in Virginia or Washington D.C. area. And he literally, because he knew I love basketball, so he does his intro video, and he's standing there, and you can't, you can tell like he's in a court, he's in a basketball gym, and he says, you know, he does his intro, and he says, "Award, this is for you." And so he goes, and he just slams it. And the dude's, a, he's a monster, man. He's awesome. I love it. That's awesome. Competitive athletes like Brian Casella. See, Brian Casella's retired professional basketball player. Yeah. The reason he does this, and he, uh, the reason he's so good, is because he takes the work at work ethic and the commitment of professional athletics and just brought it over into real estate. Yeah. And well, and he, and, was, and he mixes it with, with PUA, right? The pickup artist stuff. And, and if you've ever had anything to do with, with, and, and it's kind of like a lot of people laugh at, at this PUA stuff, pickup artist, but it literally is a skill of communication to mm -hmm. communicate with the opposite sex and, and have that attraction or, like that bug repellent on with them, right? And if you've yeah. ever seen seen Brian Casella, I mean, not only can he sell, but I think he can get every lady in the world too, just because of of how dedicated he is to to becoming his best self. I don't. He'll send me and AJ text messages during the week of like the fourth book he's reading, and it's like Tuesday night, and I'm like, holy cow, this guy is just going to town. So. And obviously that reflects from, from the coaches he's worked with, which is, is you, you know, a lot of who we are becomes from our mentors. So that's a question I want to ask who have been some of your greatest mentors. And before we answer that guys, people that are watching, you can go to the link that I sent out and start asking questions on that thread. Or if you're watching on the Google hangout, I've turned the questions on so you can start submitting some questions who Kevin have been your greatest mentors Real estate specific. I want to keep it real estate specific. Well, real estate specific. My greatest mentors um, was a Century Twenty One, Mike Bowman, the team there, the training team there. So I joined a company that was the number one in units closed. It was the number one real Century Twenty One office in the world uh, in 1998 when I joined, and in 1999, 2000, I was the Realtor of the Year at that company when they were number one in 2000. Um, so that was the first place I got in a company that had great training. And great mentors that were there, and they'd take, they would, they would do anything for you. Um, Mike Ferry was probably the most influential um, for me. John Ferber, who uh, was his, one of his one-on-one coaches um, in the real estate industry specifically. Um, Tom Ferry had an impact because I like Tom's energy, uh, his freshness when he first came on the stage with Mike, um, and so that was huge. I've watched, you know, I've watched Brian Buffini. Brian Buffini's awesome. Um, Floyd Wickman, I did Sweat Hogs uh, when I my first year in real estate. I, I did Floyd Wickman. 
and that was awesome. Uh, Gary Keller, to me, is the genius. Um, Gary is a genius because he understands how to be bigger than himself. And the difference between him and most, and he's, I mean, he considers himself a real estate team leader. You know, he's a real estate agent. People who, you know, they say, you're not really in the game. He said, I still have an active real estate license. And he says, I just have a big team. I've got 110,000 agents on my team. And he is literally on track in the next 14 years if with fi if his financial track plan going the way it has gone and continues to go. He is on track to be a billionaire. That's uh, a pretty good spot to be at. In 2030. Um, be, he'll be the first real estate broker to ever become a billionaire as a broker. And, and how old is Gary? I don't know. He, he's than not me, young. I, know. Probably, I mean, he's probably six. I don't know how old he is, but I would guess well, he's late man, 50s see, or 60s. Is he that young? I thought he might even be older. I mean, I look at like he Mike Ferry. And I, I was at the production retreat in January. Mike Ferry literally came out with his walker on the stage. That's how you know, long that guy has been in the business. Hey, we've, we've got to squash a rumor or confirm a rumor, Kevin. There's yeah. rumors going on that you used to be a Mike Ferry coach. Is that a rumor or is that a I truth? Went, no, it's never a coach. I went through his coach's training. Okay. So that's, yeah. that's, and I, and I, I, you know, he, he knows this and, uh, I went to his coach's training, which was awesome. I mean, it, it was like insanely good. It was three days or four days. It's three or four days and you pay three, I think it was $3,000 at the time. Uh, to go and sit with him and Sabrina, and at the time, Bill Pipes. Bill Pipes is awesome, and I think Bill works. He's working with Tom now, right? Uh, I think so. Yeah, I don't know their organization. So Bill Pipes is a great guy. Um, so we went and sit, spent three days with three or four days with Mike and Sabrina and and Bill, and he taught us how he his coaches coach and so forth. Um, but at the last day, Mike said to me, he "says Kevin, why do you want to coach?" And I said, because I want to help agents change their lives. And he didn't, he felt like that's really not your, that's, if you try to do that, you're going to really be disappointed because you should, our job is to teach real estate agents how to sell real estate. And, and so, so, so how, what, at that moment, did you just decide, hey, well, I obviously need to go a different direction or well, what? No, it wasn't the only thing. I mean, I it just, that was not the only thing, but I, I, to me, my passion was, I think agents get into real estate to have a life, not just to sell houses. And part of my passion was, I want to help real estate agents learn to have enough success that they can have a life. That's my passion. That's my path. And so that was, that was kind of like, I just felt like I wanted to go a different direction. But I don't, I don't know. Um, so beyond that, I really didn't have a conversation. But my path was, um, was always my own path. And you know, I love what I do, and I want to help. I, I tell agents, I don't look. I want your success. That is my number one commitment: is to have you be successful. So, and I, I never worked for him, um, but I learned from him. And I think, again, he's still. I think he's. I call him the Godfather of real estate. I think he's he awesome. is, man. Forty years he's anniversary. Good. He has done more for the real estate sales industry than I think yep. any other individual person. No, Absolutely. and raise the bar. I mean, he was. That was his whole thing. Is the industry bar is too low. Let's go ahead and move into some questions from those watching. Here's a good one for you. Jeremy Critt asked this. Uh, why should we choose someone like Kevin Ward over Mike Ferry? <laughs> so, I, so I get that question a lot. It is, there's not necessarily one person, but it's like over all the other coaches, and you know, why should we choose you? So I actually shot a video. It's on my website, yesmasters.com, and it's, if you hit the coaching tab at the top, there's a video of why would I consider Kevin Ward as a coach. 
So just go watch the video. I think I have like 10 reasons. And it's not, you know, it's, uh, I, I give total respect and to all the coaches that have had an influence out there. And, and I love the coaching industry because the coaches are committed to helping raise the bar and make us better as real estate agents. Uh, and But, I, you know, if, if there was one reason now, I would say it's the same reason that somebody like Brian Casella works with me and, and so forth is because he knows that not only am I committed to being the best coach and trainer ever, but that I invest more in myself than in my own personal getting better than I ask my agents to do because I always want to be not only able to give have value to add to you as an agent, but for you to know that I do what I teach you to do. Like I teach you to have one or more coaches until you die. And I have seven coaches. Right now I have seven coaches that I pay to help me get better in different areas of my life from, from, you know, inter, uh, from health and energy to my voice to my, my physicality um, to I, a martial arts coach. I have a financial coach. I have a business coach. And I'm just very much into that knowing that the better I get, the better everything in my life gets. And the more impact I can have, and it's the same with us as agents. So that's it's that I'm on that journey, and I and I teach mastery. I don't teach to the media, to the average. The average person doesn't really do good well in my coaching unless they're committed to mastery. Just because I don't I don't think ma I think mediocrity is the enemy, and so I don't. It's not we don't ever talk about that. So if somebody has a mediocre mentality, it's like that's the first thing, shift that because mastery will not come till you don't accept that story in your life. I like that. Don't accept that story. Write, write a new story, right? Create, create your own story. Create yeah. your own story. Here's a, a question from uh, in Prescott, Arizona, James Mishner. He asks, Kevin, you always have a smile when prospecting. Do you do that on purpose? Smiling is a habit. And yeah, it's definitely it's definitely on purpose. I mean, I'm not a natural. Nobody's a natural smiler. We're we're naturally smiling uses muscles. Um, you know, nobody's naturally you know a Hulk. That's because of working out. So smiling's a habit. And I've actually got a video on YouTube on um, the power or the habit of creating the habit of smiling. I can't remember what it's called, but yeah, it's a habit and it's so powerful because people like you when you smile at them. Every yeah. video, you know, the screenshots on videos, if you look at the screenshots of, uh, on videos on the YouTube channels, the screenshot when they're like, they don't realize <laughs> or they look like this and they look worried. And I'm like, even when you see the screenshots on my videos, every screenshot, I'm either in the game intense or I'm smiling. Why? Because I know that that, it's, that face says, I like what I'm doing and I think you're going to like it. I like you and I think you're going to like me. So yeah, smiling. We, you know, Mike Ferry always taught us to put a mirror up. So I always had a mirror in my in front of my prospecting station, and still do. And of course, I do a lot of video stuff. So I, and I'm, I watch myself as I'm talking. Like, how do I look? And because I know that that's your a lot of your communication is your face. Ninety-three percent is our body language and tonality. So if this is fifty-five or sixty percent, your face is a huge part of that, and it comes out in your voice. One of the things that I've gathered just from the, the conversation with you today is is there's no ending point. There's always just more, just learning more, becoming more, being more, doing more, right? It's it's not like Absolutely. one day I'm going to hit this point of, of a specific destination. It's like, okay, what's what's the next stretch? Where am I going next? That's, that's kind of what I gathered from you today. I like that. Absolutely. Here's 
question from Tim Kaysen. Going back to not working with sellers who don't agree with your suggested list price, what are some of your go-to ways to get them to agree with you on the list price and get the contract signed at that price? Well, it's I mean that and that's a process because that starts one with with certainty. So number one is certainty, and that is that you've got to be when you walk into that house, you've got to be absolutely certain on your price because they need confidence in you to hire you to trust you. And if you're uncertain, then that's telling them you don't know. And if you don't know, they're like, well, he doesn't know. I don't know. So we're going to go with my price because I trust me more than I trust him or her, the agent. So number one is absolute certainty. And I, I tell people, you, as an agent, you can be wrong, but you can never be in doubt. Because the moment you're in doubt, they don't have certainty in you, and they're not going to trust you with their $400,000 or $4 million, $400, million asset if you're uncertain, any more than I want a dentist putting his hands on my mouth if he's uncertain. Well, it's just like it's just like umpiring. I don't know. I love baseball, right? And when you're an umpire, no matter if the call is right or wrong, you've got to be certain in the call it's you're making. Definitive, absolutely. <laughs> you make Great that analogy. Decision. I love that. Don't worry about being wrong. It's not about being right or wrong. It's being certain in in who you are, what you're presenting. Your, your systems, your processes, and, and what you're going to do. And you're going to make mistakes. That right. I mean, going back to your, your hero, Michael Jordan, I mean, wasn't he lead the, 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 the NBA in most missed shots or something like that? Or? I, I can't remember. I heard the number last week. Uh, I think it was – I don't remember. It was, it, was, it was an insanely high number of how many shots he missed. Yeah. Or even you look at Babe Ruth, known as the strikeout king. Strikeout he king, also, yeah. Or the home run king, he was the strikeout king as well, right? right. So, so go in with confidence, and that's that's the key. That the number you're giving them, don't worry about if it's. I mean, obviously, look to get it as as best as possible. But don't worry as much about getting it right as going as presenting it with confidence and presenting it. Be, yeah, got to be 100 certain. I would say number two, keep it about the market, not about you or them. It has nothing to do with how much they want, need, owe invested, bought it for, it's about what the market says. Um, so it's always, the, well, they go, well, you know, I don't, we don't like your price. You know, and I, and I hear you, but understand that's not my price. That's what the market is telling us. That's what the comparable sales say, which is what the buyers are saying in this market. So it's not really about my price. It's really about what's the price that the market will bear. Keep it about the market. The third thing is, is I teach agents how to, how to physically engage the seller in the market analysis. Now, there's a, a uh, where you actually have them read to you the comps. And the reason that happens is there's this thing called cognitive dissonance that once you speak something, you can't you can't disregard it. And when they actually speak the comps, well, how, and how much did it sell for? Four hundred seventy-two thousand. And how many days on the market? Uh, seventy-two days. Exactly. When they read that to you instead of you read it to them. They can't, they can't argue with it. It's the craziest psychological phenomenon. So, but, but it's, it's a mastery skill that you got to – it took me years to master that and understand the power of that, that when they read it to you and then you say, so based on what the market's telling us, what price do you feel will get buyers excited about choosing your house over the competition that – if they've engaged in the comps, they can't disregard them and go like, well, screw that. I, I still want this. 
psychologically it's almost impossible. It's the craziest thing. So that's a, that's learning the process of how do you lead and educate a seller and inspire them to make a right decision that's in their best interest, so that it, you're collaborating and they're not still you against them on the price. They see you as an as long as they see you as an adversary that you're trying to underprice it and they're trying to protect their equity. And you've got to let them see I'm protecting your equity. And this and is the what, price that will get you the most money in your pocket. I'm not to steer away from the pricing concept because I'm really into the mental aspect of it, the internal side of it. When they speak to you, you got to make sure you're asking questions that's going to allow them to speak the direction you want them to go with the train of thought, right? Absolutely. I know Floyd Wickman always taught stop asking a question if you keep getting an answer you don't want. Stop asking that question, you know? Right. And, you know, Bob Leffler, one of my major mentors, I would not be in the business if it were not for this guy. I would have dropped out and continued reading gas meters, which is the worst job on planet Earth, so everyone knows. Never go read gas meters. But, you know, he early on taught me to go in with these certain set of words and to get them to respond, get it to be, become their idea, not your idea, but their idea, and, and to be able to show them, hey, it's not about what we want because nobody cares what we think, right? And, and to right. get them to automatically do a price adjustment every two weeks and, and, and to do it at 7%, and, and you're never going to have this, exp, uh, you know, listings expire if it becomes their idea. So I like that. Right. Paul, I don't know, I'm going to slaughter your name, your last name, Paul. Paul Purewall. Hey, Kevin, love your stuff. I know you use a lot of NLP techniques. What's the best way to master the technique? Any books you recommend? <laughs> uh, well, one, a book is not, you're never going to become a master in a book. So mastery in communication comes from learning from and listening to the best communicators out there. Which that's why I hired Bo Eason, um, Brendan Bashaw. I hired speakers and, and people that I used to listen to guys like um, Les Brown and Tony Robbins and Jim Rohn. And, and I, because my background was uh, in Christian ministry, I would listen to the best preachers. And I'm not talking about the, I'm talking about the ones that, like Joel Osteen. I still look at Joel Osteen and I'm like, he doesn't come across to me as that eloquent, but he is so unbelievably powerful. How does he do that? Zig Ziglar. And I listen to the best speakers. I listen to comedians because they are great at engaging you in a conversation. And they use humor to do it. So if you want to ma and then and now I've hired coach after coach to teach me how to use words. Um, the, if I have to give a book, um, a book that I think was the most powerful for me is a book called Supreme Influence by Nierka. N-I-U-R-K-A. And she's a little, she's a little. Um, a little off into a, a very, very spiritual person, very much in the spiritual realm. So uh, from Texas, I, we call it kind of foo-foo-y, or woo-woo-y, something like that. But she is awesome. And she's a friend of mine, and she wrote this book called Supreme Influence. She's an NLP master and a master trainer, and she's the real deal. And she, is, she was one of Tony Robbins' top salespersons for Tony Robbins years ago. Um, but she wrote a book called Supreme Influence that really is a book on the power of communication. And it includes a lot of NLP. And of all the books I've ever read, that is the most usable. And I really like her stuff on that. So I would give that as a book. But understand, most people that teach NLP teach it mechanically correct. But the mechanics is kind of like the mechanics of playing hockey. It, it's, it's skill is way more than mechanically accurate. It's well, I mean, you look at a pitcher on a mound, he might have – the mechanics understood, yeah. being able to fluidly 
grip that ball and, and hide it either behind your back or on your mitt to, to give that delivery at 95, 98 miles an hour, right. it's not just the mechanics, right? That, well, that's right. And I was uh, in the mastermind. I've been here with two, for two days in this mastermind with Bo Eason. One of the, the friends of mine that's in this mastermind is a guy named John. He was the youngest player, baseball player ever. He was the youngest person ever on this cover of Sports Illustrated. He was the best high school baseball pitcher ever, 53 wins in a row in high school. And he went to college and had to quit his first year after four surgeries because he just destroyed his arm pitching. And he said, I didn't, because they didn't know how to coach me, I was not coached on how to have like Nolan Ryan longevity, that because he had the mechanics right and he could hurl the ball, but it wasn't sustainable because he was injuring him, he was damaging his shoulder and his arm and he couldn't sustain it. And Which, it's like, you never think about that. Taking that back to real estate agent, if you can't figure out how to do that within your real estate business, you will burn out of real estate sales. If, if you can't figure right. out how to create a duplicatable referral-based business long-term, yep. you will burn out, right? It's that same concept. Well, that's, I, you know, real, for sale banners and expireds are the fastest way to get listings, and they're awesome, but they are, they are the highest resources required in terms of the energy. I call it chasing business as opposed to attracting business. And the reason most agents don't can't survive attracting business starting out is because they don't have enough credibility and enough connections. But as you're building it with for sale by owners and expireds, you want to then be building what I call the real estate vortex, which actually over time has pull and your business comes more from by pulling people being drawn to you rather than you chasing them. Which, which you have to last production retreat I was at with Mike Ferry, he's taught this for years and it blows my mind. I cannot figure out why that only 35% of your business should be coming from, from your sphere of influence. What percent? 35%. That's what Mike Ferry is teaching. And he's always taught I mean, that. I, I, can't, I can't even choke that down, right? Well, I his, mean, top agents, his top agents never did that. They always oh, have no. more than 50% of their business came from repeat and referral. Well, and that to me is, I mean, I've done for sale by owners with the best of them, but I so much more appreciate, like I got a voicemail on my phone I got to get back to. It's, hey, we need you to come over and list our house this week. That is so much funner than I got to go deal with the, the husband who I haven't spoke to yet because I said it with the wife, right? And I got to right. overcome that. And uh, yeah, and not that don't do for sale by owners. I built my business off them, but man, it's so much funner if you turn that FISBO into the vortex like like Kevin's talking about. Go here's the here's the shift for me. Go after clients, not listings. Because I, I mean I know we're at the top of the hour, but Roy and Lou Thomas were my biggest money makers ever. And I got them because their daughter had a vacant lot in Keller, Texas listed for sale by owner. And I called her and they had decided they weren't going to sell it eventually. They were going to keep it. But she said, but my parents have a ranch for sale and it was my first million dollar listing and sale ever. Um, it's probably in 2000. And, uh, but they sold that ranch. They bought a house for me. They sold it a year, two years later. They bought another one for me. They referred me people after people. And I finally realized that the value of a client that you take great care of is so much more valuable because I never had to chase that business. And I made over $150,000 in commissions in Texas where my average sales price was always you know, around that over all the years of selling was around 150,000 per transact average sales price and i made over 150,000 in commissions from one 
for sale by owner call because I leveraged the connection and the relationships that came out of it. Over 150,000 in commissions over about six years. And, and, and if you guys want to know where to spend money to market, the first part is go to that client and continue to build that relationship over time. I imagine you just didn't call him once and then he had to do all that. You probably had a system to stay in touch with him and, and make him your client for life. Absolutely. And that's and I and when I first started with him, I didn't have that great of a system. And over time I start realizing, wait a second, why would I start over the idea of starting over at zero every day? What successful, massively successful business starts over at zero every day? Apple? Yeah. No, they create a new product and they've got 750,000 people lining up to buy it even though they don't need a watch. Yep. It's just like it's insane because they don't start over at zero. They, they, they capture the client and they got the, I call it the CLV, the client's lifetime value will make you a fortune and you don't have to work as hard. It's unbelievably powerful if we get and that. It's much more enjoyable, much, much more oh, yeah. enjoyable. So we Absolutely. are at the top of the hour. I have a few questions. Do you have to go or are you okay for a few more minutes? You tell me. No, it's Saturday morning. We're going to have some brunch with some friends when we're done. So I'm, I'm here for you, bro. All right. So I got a, here's a question. What do you think about Toastmasters? Is that a good place for agents to start? Do it. It's, well, here's the deal about Toastmasters. Not only is it, will it help your communication skills in ways that blow your mind, drop your ego at the door. That's, that'll kill you. If you go in with ego, go in to be a sponge and to learn. But here's the beauty of a good Toastmasters group. People that get in Toastmasters are fairly successful people. And I've discovered in the Toastmasters I was in, they're business owners, they are entrepreneurs, they're succeed, successful people, and no realtors go. So I found a great place to connect and build your personal circle was in Toastmasters. It was a great place to network and get business. So not only is it a great place to improve your communication skills, great place to build your vortex. What is your thoughts about Zillow and Trulia? Who? Zillow and Trulia. <laughs> you got me. Uh, Zillow and Trulia. I don't know what to tell you on it. I mean, Zillow and Trulia are irrelevant. Um, I think the end. If you if you commit to mastery, Zillow relevant to your business. They're a tool and they're going to be an asset for you never against you. I've got coaching members like uh, I've got coaching members that probably get 20 deals a year off of off of Zillow, but it's not because of Zillow, it's because he's a master. He's in I do the I do this thing I call the 100-day list master challenge. He just started his fourth 100-day list master challenge because in the last one he only got to do for 71 days and he took 28 listings in 71 days. And he is like killing it. If he keeps on track this year, he'll make nearly a million dollars in commissions. And this time, two years ago, he was a buyer's agent. 80% of his business was buyers. And he uses Zillow awesomely, but it's because he is committed to mastery in his in, in working communication. He's got the systems in place to convert the business because the average you know incubation time of an internet lead is 12 to 24 months. Well, if you don't have a system in place, if you're if you use the three 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 rule, three phone calls, and if you haven't set an appointment with me by then, you're in the trash. It's not going to work. But you got to have a Which, system to make that efficient. I want to point out if you've got their name, their number, their mailing address, and their email address, or a combination of those, why on planet Earth are you ever throwing that away, guys? Mm -hmm. Create a database and and continue to prospect them over time, and and you'll get business from that. Like, don't throw that away. Stay in touch with them. Yeah, what don't have a database. So get say that what? Don't have a database. What, what do you does mean by a that? database have in it? Data. 
have a personal circle. I like that, and changing the language. Just the, and I used because we always call it database, but I had too many agents who so we were like, I've got 500 people in my database. Well, how's that working for you? <laughs> when was the last time you actually connected with one of them? And then they're like, oh, I know, I know, I know, I know. And you got to turn it into a personal circle or it has virtually no value. Well, I get a lot of agents calling me about doing this or that with for sale by owners. And yeah, I have done a lot of them, but this year I've only done two. It's because mm -hmm. I'll spend two hours of my, my phone time talking with this. Now I'm going to call it my personal circle, right? I'm on the phones with those people having conversations. I don't, yep. I, I'm not chasing the for sale by owners. I don't need those, right? So take the time to create that garden of, of your personal circle. I'm changing my language forever just because of this interview, Kevin. Thank you. Thank of your you. personal circle and, and you'll attract that business that Kevin's talking about. What are the first three things a new real estate agent should do, Kevin? Get a coach. Number one. Get a coach. Number two, commit to mastery. Just if you're not going to do, if you're not going to be the best, this industry is too painful, and it's just don't do it. We don't need you in the business, and I'm not. I don't mean this to be you know mean or rude, but it's kind of like if you're going to be in a, a, a medical doctor or a surgeon, if you're not going to be the best and commit to save lives and all that, I look. I look at for sale banners expires. They need us. They need masters. And that's what Zillow and Trulia cannot replace mastery. They can only replace media, mediocre agents. That's why they're a force. That's why Enma News says, are real estate agents obsolete? No, mediocre agents are obsolete. They were obsolete in the 1800s. <laughs> the masters are never going to be obsolete. Commit to mastery if you're going to do this craft. Be the best at it. So number one, get a coach. Number two, commit to mastery. And then number three, start taking action immediately. Don't wait to get good. You'll just take action. As long as you got a coach and as long as you got the commitment to mastery, you're on the path. When, and to add to that, I don't know why, whether you're a real estate agent or not, every day you've got an opportunity of life. You should make every single day the absolute best day possible. I mean, you think about it, you've got a heart yeah. that I don't know how in the hell it happens, but it's in my chest beating pumping blood, circulating oxygen. I don't know exactly how this happens, but I'm sure as hell not going to squander away this gift that I have, right? Like you've right. got to mentally accept there's nothing but opportunity every single day of your life. So take that in for what it's worth. Edward asked, what are your recommendations on best knowing your market as an agent? Uh, number one, preview, preview properties every week. Uh, ten. If you're already good and you're in the game, you should never preview more than less than ten pro less than ten properties a week. If you're new, pro preview twenty properties a week. You can preview five properties an hour. Get out there and do it. Two things happen. One, you get to a feel for the market, and two, you meet people. When you're out there on the street, you meet people. Talk to the neighbors. Talk to the guy that's out walking his dog in front of the house for sale. Just you'll pull up there and there'll be a, somebody sitting out in front taking down the number of the guy on the sign. Have you guys seen the house? You'd like to see it? I mean, get out there and make things happen, but you got to preview property and to know the market. Uh, know your market stats. Every month you should run your market stats both for yourself and for your personal circle because they love that. Um, but study the stats, study the market, be aware. I like, you know, I'm, I'm one of those who I believe in being in a big company where the management team, the brokers, they study the market and the real estate industry and they keep you informed and up to date. 
I, I've just seen when I went out on my own and tried to do my own thing, I got out of touch with the market because I didn't want to spend all the time studying and what's happening and the changes with contracts, but also changes with the market, changes with the industry, changes in mortgage, changing settlement statements, all of that. I don't want to have to learn it. I want somebody to be learning it for me and teaching me what I need to know as an agent so I can go out, be out making money. Well said. Here's a question from Jeremy Critt. Are you still a Christian? Yes. <laughs> Simple answer. <laughs> what are the top five reads, not including Think and Grow Rich and not including Millionaire Mind or Millionaire Real Estate? What are the top five books to read? Um, Turning Pro. This is I just I just got this book uh, last this month and I read it in one sitting. Uh, this book is a game changer for real estate agents. I just, and, and so my top five reads are like I'm always reading new books and I'm always learning and I don't recommend all of them. But here's a book I just started reading this morning. It's called The Little Book of Talent. This book is how to improve yourself and your skills. Uh, they went and studied talent pools of where places where the best of the best come out of and what do they do that makes them the best. And I'm very much, I'm very much into mastery. Um, so that is huge. Um, beyond that, um, I, I'm, I'm more into the books I've been reading most recently. Those are two that I would say I love. Any Tony Robbins, uh, I still think Tony Robbins' "Awaken the Giant Within" was awesome. Um, How to Win Friends and Influence People. That was that a book I was forbidden to mention? No, that's a book that you should mention. How to Win Friends and Influence People. You should read that book every year and study it every single year. I'll probably think of another one uh, in a minute, but those would be the ones right now. I'd say two books that I would highly recommend is is one is asking it is given Abraham Hicks like that book will blow your mind be open-minded but it will blow your mind you don't and have to other, so you don't have to buy everything in it if you're not you know like but the but the information in asking it is given is awesome like the secret is a great book much better than the movie Sorry, oh yeah and the other book is outwitting the devil uh, the Napoleon Hill manuscript which oh my gosh will alter your way of thinking as well. So I would put those two books on your list. I would put Outwitting the Devil is like one of the most powerful transformational books. Out there. Hands down. I, I may have missed it earlier, but I'm wondering why he stopped selling real estate is the question. And I don't think we asked this on, on air. We talked about it a little bit before. Yeah. yeah, and I just my answer to that is if you've ever heard of Michael uh, Phil Jackson, Michael Jordan never won a ring without Phil Jackson as his coach. And I love being Michael Jordan, Michael Jackson. I say Michael Jackson. Michael <laughs> Jordan Jackson. never won a ring. <laughs> Phil Jackson. No, you said Phil Jackson. Jordan, basketball, you got what you best basketball player of all time. But Phil Jackson was his coach at, when he was at his best. And I love. I just it, there's always been something in my DNA. I'm a I'm a teacher. I'm a coach. And my parents are both school teachers, so I think it was part of it, it was in my DNA and in my upbringing. But I've just always been a teacher, even when I was a brand new agent. I would go in after two months in the business, they would bring me into the rookie the training for new agents and they would have me talk about what I was doing and you know, because I was out there taking action. So I've just always been a teacher. I was I, I was a basketball coach as a sophomore in high school on our little dribblers and my team won the championship. I, it was my sophomore and junior year, both years I coached, my team won the championship. So I was always a better coach than I was a player. And so it's just my, it's just kind of been my DNA and I've never, this is my life's work is to help agents win in their business and in their life. And I'm sure your, your, your parents are great people. The fact that they are school teachers to me tells that you probably were programmed with a different mindset, 
you know, coming as a school teacher, they, they kind of, schools in general, and I'm trying to say this delicately, but schools almost program people for failure in life, in my opinion, right? Uh, yeah, my, my dad was always a rebel against the, real, uh, the, the uh, education industry, even as a school superintendent. It was like he always hated the way they the way they did it. Yeah, because they program you to be a to be a nine to fiver, program you to be mediocre. They program you to create a middle class system that props up uh, financial debacle. Is what it does. Yep. How many coaching clients do you have? Is another question. Um, and I have I have multiple coaching programs. So I have sixteen in my inner circle. I have about a hundred and something, hundred and twenty something in my mastery coaching. And I have uh, right now about 80 in my 100-day challenge. I have 200-day challenge just going right now, and I have right at 80. Four, I have 38 in one and 41 in the other, so 79 um, in my 100-day challenges right now. I've got two, one, one that just started and one that is about to finish at the end of this month. And I think, I think I'm going to call it there. We've already gone 15, wow, 15 minutes over. So to finish off, Kim, first of all, I want to say thank you. I've followed you for thank a long you. time. I've, I've totally enjoyed watching you and seeing your business grow. And, and it's been a great time today. Where can those watching go and find out more about Kevin Ward and Yes Masters? I well, just yesmasters.com is our primary website. Um, on YouTube, I have tons of training uh, on YouTube. It's where everybody finds me. Uh, so you can just go find Kevin Ward on YouTube. I mean, it's not hard to do. Um, yesmasters.com is my primary website. Uh, if you're a brand new agent, brand new, go to kevinwardrealestateacademy.com. Uh, is another place, uh, and you can just and but at yesmasters.com you can find me. You can connect, connect with me. Um, you know, I uh, I do four. I do live events. I do four live events a year in Los Angeles. I've got one coming up September the 21st through the 23rd called Double Your Listing Power. And you can go to doublyourlistingpower.com and check that out. Uh, I guarantee it will be the best real estate event you have ever been to in your life, or I'll give you your money back. Uh, That's a pretty is, strong guarantee. It, it's a change. It will change your life. It will not just change your business. It will change your life. And, and and Colton, I invite you to come. I want you to come, and I'll put you on my. I'll put you on stage, and I'd love to have you come. And oh, that's all I need to be is on stage to yeah. see this beautiful face right here. There what what are the dates? September what? September twenty one, twenty first through the twenty third. Just go to doubleyourlistingpower.com Is the website? It's September twenty. It's Monday through Wednesday. And uh, it's at the at the Weston Hotel, right next to the Los Angeles International Airport. Okay. All right. I'll check it out. I will be in Los Angeles October for sure, going to UPW with Brian and AJ. And uh, I'll look at my calendar because that but would there, be everybody should do that. UPW. Yeah, I've never been. I'm I'm totally excited to go. We're my mastermind group's going in October, so I'm pretty sure it's gonna be awesome. So, well, I appreciate you, Kevin. I appreciate learning from you. I'm gonna check out doubleyourlistingpower.com, and if you guys ever have any questions, you guys can get a hold of him on his website or, or yeah. social media somehow. So, I appreciate you and have a great Saturday. Thanks, Kevin. Colton, appreciate you. We'll talk soon. See ya. Have a great weekend, everybody. Hey, everyone. Did you like this episode? Well, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. If you want free content and world-class training on inner game, real estate, and turning the impossible into possible and the invisible into visible, well, visit me at winningtheinnergame.com and enter your name and email to the winner circle. We'll see you there.